Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host on what is now the second Sunday of the Great Fast, and it is so for the Orthodox churches as well as the Eastern Catholic churches, which I think is a wonderful thing. It's always great when we have, at least I think it's always great when we have our Great Fast and our Pascha celebrations at the same time. It certainly makes it easier to talk about here in light of the East because they don't have to differentiate between the two calendars. I'm glad you're listening. Glad to be here with you. We also have a special guest with us today. Someone who's been on our program before, another one of our many friends here at Light of the East. Proud to say he is my cousin, another Father Loya. We welcome Father Joseph Loya to Light of the East. Glory to Jesus Christ, Father Joe. Glory forever, Cousin Tom. How's your Lent going? Oh, it's off to a terrific start. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, Thank you. we talk about Lent here and, of course, the Great Fast, the season of repentance. We have all kinds of flowery words to say about Lent. But in, in essence, the, if there's anything that probably describes Lent perhaps the most comprehensively, at least for the Eastern traditions, I think it would be the word journey. I would confirm that. <laughs> okay, so well, maybe let's go on a journey of this journey. And I would like to point out that uh, before going on any journey, it is uh, important to prepare correctly and appropriately. For example, on a, a literal journey, um, for example, going on a vacation, it's important to start out with the, a proper attitude. Our church, before our spiritual journey, prepares us with the proper attitudes and themes that we are to carry with us through this 40-day journey. For example, we started out some weeks ago with uh, the week of Zacchaeus with the theme of wanting to see the Lord. Then the publican and the Pharisee, where the publican teaches us how to properly pray. Uh, in our prayer services, we are bid, quote, let us flee from the pride of the Pharisee and learn humility from the publican's tears. Let us cry to our Savior, have mercy on us, O merciful one. And then the Sunday of the prodigal son, where we are invited to leave the pig pen areas of our lives to begin this journey of returning to the Father. On Meet Fair Sunday, the gospel reminds us of the Last Supper. And uh, for Cheese Fair Sunday, um, prepares us for a journey of 
forgiveness and fasting. And I meant to remind your congregation, Father Tom, that scientifically to forgive uh, works tremendously uh, for our health. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scientists have said that uh, when we forgive, uh, the structure of our brain changes for yeah. the better, yeah. and we become healthier people. <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazing how yeah. comprehensively integrated we mm-hmm. work. Is and, and again, it, mm-hmm. it as always, Father Joe. You know, we don't need science to prove faith. Of course, real science will always undergird faith because it'll show that what we talk about on the spiritual realm can, can often be supported or is revealed also in the in the scientific, in the physiological. Mm-hmm. And so now we have other themes on our journey of faith as well. Yes. Sometimes uh, when I identify myself as a Byzantine Catholic, I'm asked to tell something interesting about our church. And I say that uh, we like to march in processions, which is the acting out of our strong sense of journeying, Mm -hmm. of going someplace. And more than that, we know where we're going and why we're going. As Byzantine Catholics, our journeys are both short in length and middle in length. Yes, we, we have the little entrance and the great entrance in exactly. the Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, whether it's the sh- short entrance, great entrance, or the journey of Lent, they are all uh, a crystallization, uh, a, a symbolic expression of the one great journey, which is from this earthly life to uh, the life the eternal life, the glorified life of the heavenly kingdom. Now, when we're on a journey, we, we think of a journey as going in one direction. You're going towards something, but away from something. All it, yet, we see we tend to see them as compartmentalized, almost almost like opposite poles. But I think part of the genius of the East is that we can kind of move in both directions at the same time. But there's also another direction of a journey as well. Yes. To pick up on the, the forward and the backwards, we do, in a sense, in our Lenten journey, go forwards towards Jerusalem so we can meet the Lord as he comes in his kingship into uh, the holy city and also to be with him at uh, the Last Supper and in the Garden of Gethsemane and at the foot of the cross. It's also the backward journey, as you mentioned. Uh, it's a reconnecting backwards into our own baptisms, uh, renewing, being reborn again, if you will, into our identities as Christ persons, having been baptized into the death and resurrection of Christ. But there's a third direction also, and that is inwards. Uh, our journey of Lent could be thought of as a journey inwards towards our hearts. And this concept of heart in the Christian biblical conceptualization mm-hmm. is something very, very profound indeed. So to have a sense of direction and where we're going and why we're going, let's talk a little bit about what it is to uh, process into our hearts. Because that's really where the journey ultimately is of Lent. You know, for those of you listening, now this is the second Sunday of Lent, which means we're entering into the third week of the rigors of Lent. And of course, we've emphasized those rigors a lot in the program over the last several Sundays, you know, the prayer, the fasting, 
the ascetical disciplines. But at this stage, oftentimes, we start to kind of um, sometimes weaken or wonder what the purpose is, if it's just uh, ascetical, like, like spiritual gymnastics or things we're supposed to do for Lent because we're giving something up. But I think, Father Joe, in uh, reemphasizing this idea of journey, it might give listeners a kind of a renewal or empowerment to continue on their journey of Lent, to think of it in this framework as, as a journey into the heart. Yes. And the heart, as it is presented in our Holy Scriptures, is a very, very special place. It is witnessed by Luke that uh, Mary, Jesus' mother, in observing Jesus growing up, she observed what he did, what he said, and she kept them where? She kept them in her heart, this mm-hmm. very special holy place within herself where she would ponder everything she saw and heard. And each one of us have a heart like Mary has a heart. And, and even Christ, you know, whenever he was approached by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, on the level of, of the law, you know, what is justifiable? How, do, how does one be justified if a woman has seven husbands? Who is she married to in the next life? And, on yeah. and so on. And he, and he always... What Jesus did was he always took the issue, the discussion, not back to the law, but to the heart. Because that, in this very special place within each of us, that is where we meet and receive God, his truth, his life, his love. And it is in that reception that uh, we sort of like explode into the Christ is risen, Mm -hmm. uh, which is at the end of our uh, Lenten journey. And when we say heart, we're not talking about feeling or sentiment, even intense feeling or deep feeling. It goes even deeper than that. It is a seat, a wellspring Mm -hmm. of our very, very personhood. And ideally, as we've been talking, it is the place where we meet God and experience his life and love and joy and peace. But in this fallen life, cousin Father Tom, uh, there's other things that begin to populate our heart. Um, uh, Makarios, an early uh, fourth century uh, spiritual writer, says, yes, the heart is big and it contains God and the angels and all the treasures of graces, but it also, through human experience, gets populated by the treasures of of evil thoughts and mm-hmm. and scary things, he says, dragons and lions <laughs> yes. and tigers and bears and uh, <laughs> things that come out and play during our um, unguarded sleep time, and mm-hmm. we call them nightmares. Uh, but the why of Lent is to go into our hearts and to clean out everything that's not supposed to be there mm-hmm. and everything that's distracting and uh, poisonous in our journey mm-hmm. to God. Interesting, Macarius, the, the, the perspective on our nightmares, that's sort of the releasing the playground that these yeah. snakes and demons are playing yes. right at night because we're, again, we're unguarded. Mm-hmm. And that's why oftentimes, if you notice in the prayers of the Eastern Church, especially the evening prayers, we ask God to keep us from any kind of evil imaginations or that's things that roam around. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Well, when we come back, we're going to talk more about the journey into the heart, which is really what this period of the Great Fast is all about. With our special guest, my cousin, Father Joseph Loya. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. 
Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Glory to Jesus Christ. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, and I invite you to join me on the Light of the East pilgrimage to Rome and Istanbul to celebrate the canonization of Popes John Paul II and John XXIII. In addition to celebrating the sainthood of two world-renowned popes, this trip will be a powerfully moving and truly unforgettable experience of the Church breathing with both lungs east and west. We will visit major religious and historical sites of the ancient Roman and Byzantine empires, and you will hear from people who actually knew these two saintly popes. I guarantee you will never see the Church the same way again and you will be making your personal contribution toward the cause in which these two popes were committed unity in the church between east and west join father loya tuesday through thursday october 21st through october 30th for this spiritual event of a lifetime the pilgrimage to rome and istanbul limited spaces reserve early by going to vikingtvl.com that's vikingtvl.com for all the details october 21st through the 30th you're listening to father thomas loya on light of the east the Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. And I want to remind you, as you have heard already in the program, but again and again, as we say in the Eastern churches, <laughs> like during our litanies, again and again, the Light of the East ecumenical pilgrimage to Rome and Constantinople. That's where you're going to be. That's right. That's where you are going to be. Tuesday through Thursday, October 21st through the 30th of this year, 2014, Rome and Constantinople. We're going to celebrate the sainthoods of Pope John the 23rd and Pope John Paul II. We're going to see all kinds of things, things that you won't see or experience except if you're on this tour with me. So go to, very simple, go to the website, vikingtvl.com, vikingtvl.com to make your reservation, and you're going to have to do it quickly. Light of the East. Ecumenical Pilgrimage, October 21st through the 30th, celebrating the sainthood of Pope John the 23rd and Pope John Paul II, Rome and Istanbul. Now back to our journey. Took a little pause there on our journey. Now we got to continue on on our journey with my cousin here, Father Joseph Leo, who also is a professor at Villanova University in Philadelphia area, right? It Father is. Joe. So more about the journey. I would like to share how to take care of this goal that we're going to uh, the heart and just give three quick uh, practical suggestions on what could be thought of as the a heart maintenance guide. The first suggestion is that as we travel in our heart, to our heart, is it should be a quiet journey, that we should be able to walk in peace and focus, and this takes uh, a quietness, physical quietness, 
and also inner spiritual quietness. We are terrifically addicted to noise in this modern, loud, fast-paced life of ours. And the suggestion is to walk more deliberately, quietly, uh, peacefully. Second is to set a guard around our hearts. The demons are looking to turn our hearts into a battleground, a battleground of conflicting images and passions. And we need to uh, guard against uh, encroachment by the evil one. So constant being on guard is recommended. And third, besides being quietly on guard, is to, as St. Paul suggests, pray without ceasing, to be able to keep in mind, keep in heart, uh, the image of our Lord. And here from our tradition, we could recommend, of course, the Jesus prayer, which could be said anywhere, anytime, and itself in recalling just the name of the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner, promotes an inner peace and an inner calm and an inner quietness and this sense of vigilance with which we protect our heart. So those three things, once again, are? To be quiet. To be quiet. To be on guard. On guard, vigilance, yes. Vigilance, and to always remember God. You know, those first well, actually all three, but especially the first one and the third one are rather providential that you mentioned that today in our program because today, the second Sunday of Lent, since about the 13th century, has commemorated St. Gregory Palamas. Now, he's a saint in the Eastern churches. Some Western theologians have a little problem with him, but I think to understand him correctly would be helpful. But anyway, He's a saint in the Eastern churches because one of the things that he promoted was this spirituality of stillness, of quietness, and in particular the Jesus prayer. In fact, it was called hesychism, which is a Greek word which refers to a stillness, an inward stillness. And it's very simple and one that is one of the crown jewels of the Eastern spirituality, and that is very simple. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And to say that over and over again, on one's lips or in one's mind, even to synchronize it with the breath, does really help to bring bring a person into that stillness, into a, a kind of a home base, a focus. It, it's calming. It is a centering, although I'm not going to call it centering prayer. It, it is, it's a very real prayer, obviously based upon a verse from the Scripture. So it's interesting that my cousin, Father Joe, brings up those particular sort of guideposts along the way of, of our journey but especially, I like also this idea of vigilance. During our liturgy, we pray for vigilance. It's one of the things we actually pray for, the gifts of vigilance. And maybe tell us a little bit more about vigilance. What does actually that mean? I mean, you know, we have our ideas, just like the heart or vigilance. We have our understanding of these words. But yeah. we're talking about the, the, the deeper understanding, the mystical yeah. understanding, vigilance. I think we can understand vigilance by accessing it through its opposite, what it is to be non-vigilant. Mm. To be non-vigilant is to be almost near unconscious, mm-hmm. um, sleepy, dreamlike. Um, on the other hand, there is a recommendation by our a spiritual tradition of holy soberness. Mm-hmm. So to be vigilant is to be, first of all, awake mm-hmm. and to uh, be sort of like on guard, always on duty, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's a militaristic, I think, uh, or martial image, but I think a valid one within our tradition uh, of being in the company of Christ mm-hmm. and uh, to protect knowingly, consciously, soberly over something very valuable. And we have nothing more valuable than our hearts. And so relevant for today, as you mentioned, we're addicted. I use the term din. You said mm-hmm. no. A lot of people don't know what din is, I yeah. find out. But, <laughs> but din is just useless, constant noise. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we are addicted to it. It's amazing. Like we just can't shut off our televisions and we can't shut off our radios and so on. And we're addicted to it. So we need that silence, but we also need that that vigilance. I think it's another problem today. People are, uh, we live in a time, I think, where we are not very aware. You know, things go by us and mm-hmm. we, we sort of accept a lot of things without any kind of real critical, sort of on your toes kind of thinking right. or editing. Mm-hmm. There's no intellectual, spiritual editing of things that go into us. Mm-hmm. It's going to go in there and it's going to stay there, you know. <laughs> so this this spirit of vigilance. So so we can see how how marvelously relevant this idea of journey is during Lent and, and all that it means with stillness and vigilance. But what if somebody loses the way on their journey? Very good. Which is always a possibility. Um, getting lost. You mentioned, uh, thank you for the plug for Villanova University. One of my community members, a fellow Augustinian with whom I live, is the chaplain for our Villanova sports teams. And earlier on this year, he, he shared that uh, the basketball team was down in a tournament in uh, the Bahamas, and uh, the team was given a, a day off from the very hard practices, and they spent the day at a local water park. And in the middle of the water park was this pole. And on the pole was a sign. And on the sign were the words, Lost Children Here. <laughs> how, how appreciated that is for parents or for someone who might find a lost little mm-hmm. one to have a particular go-to place yes, yes. for relief and and to recover their mm. their most uh, prized cherished flesh and blood it's possible to get lost in our spiritual journeys that we temporarily lose touch with our compass leading us to to truth and to joy and to life and to freedom where do we go in order to recover uh, where's our go-to place mm-hmm. in order to reestablish that GPS direction that will lead us to joy, peace, the truth of our Lord? And I suggested I did it, it in your um, parish uh, this weekend, Father Tom. I said that the best place to go when you're spiritually lost is right here. And, uh, you know, we were in your church to come here and to recover and be in touch again with truth, beauty, and life, and love, and forgiveness. If you hadn't spoken also about stillness, I would have jumped up and cheered when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we hope that this radio program, for those who listen, may be a kind of a place of stillness and also a place where you find a spiritual go-to place, that place you can go to to 
get reconnected, to find your way again. I want to thank my cousin, Father Joseph, for being with us. I want to thank all of you for listening. And again, our prayers are with you. And hopefully what we have said here is helpful for you on your Lenten journey, which ultimately is a journey into your heart. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website byzantinecatholic.com where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with this mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road Homer Glen, Illinois 60491 That's Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W I L L C O O K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>